You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. I, uh, is it wrong that I like our intro? <laughs> I do kind of like that little, this little retro music right now. We should have that going throughout the whole thing. And it, it, it matches uh, Nick's pants. Nick's pants. Yeah, my wife. Get up, Nick. Hey, that is a that's a Super Bowl champion you're talking to. I right know. There. Just I, saying. I, I'm. I can't believe it. That was awesome. I couldn't get my phone to trigger. I was going to do. We are the champions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was fun. Lots of. Uh, crazy stuff that huge delay with the lightning and whatnot but to come away with it is, is pretty cool so yeah so and and just you know not uh uh can you actually communicate with your team members are they do most of them speak english yeah. or do you speak their language like, or what are you speaking probably 80 to 90 percent speak english yeah oh. it's way better than in italy for sure a lot of the younger people in poland are learning english to get a better opportunity in uh england or usa the jobs they oh, always sure. work work social media marketing for other countries and so english is pretty well spoken here actually yeah well it's kind of nice i mean you know then you can at least you know hey catch the ball you know what you mean well they have they have american coaches too andy oh really well, I suppose yeah, yeah. three american playing, coaches yeah you're playing like american football right mm -hmm. yep. yeah it's the same thing. Yeah. It's I know, but thing. you know, for some of our listeners, when they say football, they think they're kicking stuff. So I'll tell you the craziest, weirdest thing that I've always it's it's bugged the crap out of me every time I watch it because his games are streamed. Uh, you gotta get up at you gotta get up like at five in the morning to see him because they're seven hours ahead of you. But yeah, the during the regular season, the, the referee has the clock. And so there's like no clock, you can't follow uh. clock. Clock management and time and all that kind of thing is so important. Well, in this Super Bowl thing, finally they had a clock. And it was cool. so nice to be able to see it because then I kind of knew what the heck was going on. So, Nick, why is that? Is that so that if the ref thinks there's 30 more seconds should be added, they just let you play 30 more seconds? Or what do they do? I think it depends on, like, the budget of some stadiums. I think some have clocks. Maybe we didn't play on them this oh. year. But, you know, a lot of them don't have, like, the technical manpower to handle all those different things. And – for the most part, they put on pretty good events, but yeah, no clock has has always been kind of weird to me. Nice, it's tough. So the Lowlanders take it, champs. Yeah, baby. I got some for you guys. So the median price of existing home sold in June set yet another record at four hundred sixteen thousand dollars, an increase of thirteen point four percent year over year. What is happening in this market? I'm going to answer that because the lower priced homes have. Have, are the ones that have taken the hit and they're they're harder to sell now so i think there's just more upper priced homes i think if you did those stats it would also say that there was less homes that sold but they were just higher price that sold and so that average went up that's my opinion i i, I wouldn't uh disagree with that and i think that there's also remember everything is is you know you're talking you know june so that was from the month before so it's like a lot of times those numbers are rolling over I think the real effects of the interest rate hikes and everything else will start being shown next month. 
on the July and, you know, going into the August reports where mm-hmm. you'll see that things are slowing down and just, you know, like we, we had a, a company meeting yesterday where we kind of got all together and, and talked about that. And they were saying that, you know, we last year had a record year this year we're on pace to keep up with last year's record year. But as the numbers are reporting for the end of July, July starting to look like it's trending down like about 9% for volume, not for price, just on volume. So some of the volume is slowing down and that's kind of what we've been anticipating. You know, Chris, you and I were talking about that where I don't think you're going to see drastic price reductions. I don't think you're going to see prices plummeting, but I do think you'll see less people saying, I, I, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. I don't, I don't want to play the game right now. It's just too many other things distracting my mind and I don't want to, you know, have this be one of them. Or wait it out. Right. You know, listings that we would have had three months ago would have sold five times over uh, mm-hmm. right now. And they're not, they're just, they're sitting there. And it's not that uh, in my case, they're not overpriced, but it's just, they're not super exciting. You know, right. it's, it is, and I, there's other ones that I just did an offer yesterday that there's three offers on the place, mm-hmm. you know, so it's still out there and it's still happening. I, I met with uh, uh, a couple last night. And the one thing I said is that, you know, we have to have this right. We have to have this property prepared to go on the market because we're gonna we're not only competing against other properties, we're also competing against um, people's mindsets right now. And those mindsets are, you know, hey, the market's not doing very well, and should I buy or should I not buy? And we have to overcome that. And so yep. there's a lot of um, it, where there's advantages. In, in, in this house, for instance, sits at the end of a cul-de-sac. It's on a wooded lot. I mean, which is fantastic, but it's a little overgrown. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned, you know, the privacy is one of the better things, but I said, we need to be able to get rid of some of these trees and we got to trim up a bunch of them to be able to kind of really accentuate this thing. And they're like, really? I mean, it was like surprising, but it was, um, and I, and I didn't go into fully how many, how much of it that I want to go, but I took pictures and I'm getting a price on that. But I just think it's so important in which to be able to, you've got to showcase that thing. Perfect. Especially when you have the perfect location, you've got to make it ultra perfect. So I agree. I, I think that that's, that is the, um, you know, we, we've been sitting down uh, where I've had, you know, people that are referred to me and what was always interesting, Chris is over the last, you know, two years when, the market's been crazy fast moving, but yet to a consumer, you'd think the perception would be it's easier to sell my house in that kind of a market. But yet still, it was like a crazy high amount of people, like 94% were still listing with real estate agents. And then now I'm starting to have people saying, well, hey, wait a minute, you know, do we really need a, a real estate agent? And I'm like, hey, if you know what's going on in today's marketplace, you know how to position yourself, like what Chris is talking about is positioning getting your house to be the prettiest house at the, the best attractive price. And you don't have to take a discount. And I think that there's some people right now doing temporary discounting because they think they have to, because, Oh my God, my, my house has been on the market for two weeks. And Chris, guess where they're going to get their advice. Yeah. It's not the real estate agent. They're getting their advice around the water cooler at the office or from their neighbor whose friend of a friend sold a house six months ago and they're getting horrible advice. And, oh. and I say that, you know, with, I lived, I just went to a family reunion where I lived through talking to a couple of my cousins and a couple of my uncles and aunts about housing. And it's amazing how everybody thinks, you know, like, well, of course housing is crashing. Right. 
And then you tell them what you're, what's really going on. And they go, well, God, that makes sense, but it still feels like it's going to crash. And I I said, I I don't disagree with you. I think that's your consumer confidence in the back of your head. Right. And that's very important. Very important because consumer (laughs) confidence economy. Yeah, totally. So I'll tell you what, here's some people, some, some stuff to sing about. Cause I'll tell you what, you, you literally are going to have a complete, you know, crap storm on your hands here. If you don't start getting people's brains around the fact that just because an economy slows or goes through inflation, doesn't mean that it has to crash. Yeah. I'm going to tell you one thing. I went past a Chick-fil-A the other day and it was like one thirty, and there was only like four cars in line. No, there's only like four cars in line. And I almost oh. fell over because this particular one, which is on, um, Highway 7 and 169 off kind of by Knollwood Mall is packed all the time. I mean, they yeah. basically put tents over the top of these lines because they're so long. And I only saw four. But, but I, Chris, I why, why do you think that is? I, I'm, I'm one of the guys that would object to this because I, I'm, as we're driving around and we're busy, Chick-fil-A does have a, you know, uh, chicken grilled chicken breast sandwich. But by the time you get a chicken breast sandwich, side salad, and a water, it's $15. I don't want to spend $15 on a stupid sandwich. So now I'm like starting to bring my own food with me. And that that's a side effects of people just jacking the prices up. You, you, you can't, well, I don't want to sound like an economist. I'm not, I'm just a consumer, but as yeah. a consumer, I, I change my spending habits really fast based on uh, your pricing. Right. I went to McDonald's drive-thru because I, I like their diet Coke. Yeah. I haven't eaten their food for a while, but um, the, uh, <laughs> I looked at my old standby, which was a quarter pounder of cheese meal, you know, yep. and it was like $12. I mean, that used to be like six something, I thought. But, I mean, it just kind of went crazy. Yeah, but I think you start right. seeing that, it just, it kind of keeps reiterating to you. I mean, going mm-hmm. out to eat now is crazy. You, you remember the old $5 footlongs? No. Not anymore. Yeah. Hey, I gotta always put it in your guys' face. So the other night, um, I went bowling and a really cool spot, and it was four people with the shoes. You had to rent the shoes, and I think we had a couple beers. And for one hour, you got the bowl. Guess how much money I paid? Ten dollars. Twelve. Yeah. All four. And it was something crazy like that. Hey, this next one, uh, so we're going to talk about the market crash. Like you were saying, people around the cooler are talking. I have this interesting Reddit thread about it, and it's going to be brought to you by uh, Chris Rooney, Home Experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence and with confidence comes results. Just feels like I've been in the industry after that commercial like 40 years, so I put on some glasses. So so you know whose commercial it was? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whose commercial is this? Who is that man? Yeah. I got mine here too, just in case. All right, uh, so what do we got here? Okay, what exactly do you consider a market crash? Would it be going back to 2019 levels? Which, I mean, let's talk about that. I mean, 2019 levels weren't bad. 
you know, I mean, the market was uh, definitely clipping along. Um, and obviously inventory just went way down. And I think that's what, what happened. But, um, what is, so 2019 looked like it was three to 5% year over year increase. Um, it's interesting. Uh, that's probably about right. I mean, you just heard what, what June was, what, 13% year over year? Yeah, yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. Or July. July is trending that direction. So it'll show yeah. less volume being sold. Yeah. Um, what what is what's ATH at, at the height? All time high. All time high. Yep. Okay. Twenty twenty percent drop from the height. What would you consider a crash? I mean, Andy. I mean that twenty um, percent I mean, to me would be a, if it went from the all time high down twenty percent. I mean, you know, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. There was, um, and, I, and I could look it up again. I remember I ran the stats for us, talking about what's considered to be a market crash where they have two consecutive quarters of negatively whatever at a certain rate. And, and so a crash doesn't automatically happen or deceleration of a market doesn't mean a crash. I think a crash means like it, it's off a cliff and, and down. And it's like, you know, um, I heard people saying, oh, I'm going to hold out and I'm going to start waiting for foreclosures. And I, you guys, I'm just telling you, you when waiting. the average family made $76,000 of appreciation last year nationwide, nobody gets foreclosed on when you have equity. The only time you get foreclosed on is when you don't have options, you don't have equity, you don't have banks that are willing to work with you. So the fantasy, I mean, that banks are going to start having foreclosures again, is just so wrong. It's crazy. It's like saying, yeah. Uh, trucks are selling for less money. Now they're going to start giving them 50% off at the dealerships. No, they're not. They just, you know, it's like the, what, what happens is our economy has become a, a just in time inventory style economy where nothing is bulk stock anymore. So when they talk about target, Oh, they've got so much inventory. Well, they, they brought it in and they ordered it and it sat there and never came in. And now it all came in at one time, but in theory, the absorption rates were, were not, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, the world has gotten over the, we're going to produce 200,000 pickup trucks, even if nobody wants to buy them. They don't do that stuff anymore. Yeah. The housing economy is, is very much right now. Um, and it always is selling, buying, um, no matter what the economy looks like, because there's people that need to sell, right? So that's one interesting part about housing is that it's not completely consumer driven based on want and, and it's mostly on need. I need to sell. My mom and dad passed away. I can't afford the house. I have to sell it. You know, I inherited a house. Um, we're getting divorced. Um, we just don't fit in this home anymore. We have too many children, whatever it is. And so there's always going to be those people moving. So when you say crash, things slow down. They don't always, does that make sense? I mean, is that, you know, um, yeah. and, and then the other thing is, is this guys, um, with people that own their houses free and clear, 40% of the market can just say, we're not going to sell. Um, the other, um, you know, what is it? 40% has significant equity. Um, those people aren't going to sell either because they've got over 50% equity in their houses and interest rates at 3%. So it's so cheap to own those houses. I'm still concerned about, you know what I'm concerned about? Supply. I think we have a supply and demand issue for the next five years. I don't think anybody's going to want to sell, especially if they don't have consumer confidence. And I, I think that'll continue to put pressure on house prices because you need a house. Let's say you just got a million dollar bonus at your job and you want to go buy your house and there's nothing to buy. Something pops up and you you're going to jump on it. You know, so you that and, I think, you and three others, yeah, because there's nothing out there, yep. yeah, right? So, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of people saying, Andy, not just five years, it's probably 10 years that we're like, 
of, of inventory. Right. Well, and, and a lot of that too, guys, is because, you know, you think about new construction, you're like, okay, they'll just make more widgets and then they can sell them, but they can't produce them at a, at a level that the consumer can afford. And, and God bless the local city municipalities that are making, raking in the cash right now from all these big projects being developed and their whack and sack and connection fees and, and trunk fees and conservation fees and road transportation fees. They fee the crap out of developers and these local municipalities get flooded with cash. But what it does is it makes their cities unaffordable. The other thing that happens at a city level, these city planning commissions, the, some of these people should, should be regulated by somebody that is in guidance with affordable housing. So like you take a city like Dayton, Minnesota that had right next to us here, we had a development over there a couple of years ago where we were developing, we, we had our, you know, 12 lots. And now the city says you have to put James Hardy siding on the front of that house because our, our, the, our city? Plan, the city said not, not the development, not that they said the city has covenants that override your development covenants that we were unaware of. And I'm like, so that adds $8,000 to a house. So now somebody has to pay $26 a month more for that house for 30 years because you guys want to have a different siding material on the front of the house. Who, who the hell are you guys to make that decision? I mean, for God's sakes, and, and they think they're doing good for the city. I get it. We only want high-end houses. That That's the problem. Not everybody can afford a million-dollar house. Not everybody can afford a, a half-million-dollar house. We need to get prices down into the three, three-fifties. That seems to be based on wages now where there's a ton of people that want to buy that three to 400. We just can't hit it. I mean, you're either in a condo apartment um, or you're buying an existing house and it has to be a fixer upper to get in that price range. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think about this comment? All right. Am I the reader here? Okay. Yeah. So let's see. From top to bottom during the GFC, the K-Shiller index fell about 28%. Okay. So amusingly, that's how far it would have to fall to get to December 2019 levels. It's also how far it would have to fall for mortgage payments, which are 5.7 today, to fall the same level as a 2.875 rate about this time last year. I'd consider a 20% drop nationally to be a crash, personally. It would not surprise me if that happened. I don't know. He sounds smarter than me. I, so, I don't think 20% is even real, but I, I just think big, the, the top big. of the market What's that? That's a big, that's a big nut. That's a, yeah. that's crazy. 400 is now three, 320. $500,000 house is not dropping to 400. No way. I don't no. think so either. Now, if you watch the, the, the buyers that are a little more suspect, like the 3% downers, three and a half percent FHAs, those buyers are probably more on the fringe of, well, we're, we're getting into a house with the minimums to become homeowners, which God bless America. Thank you. FHA for providing that wonderful insurance tool for our buyers so they can get into the game. Um, they're usually the most vulnerable buyers that are out there because they have the, the least skin in the game. Um, and, and they're usually, you know, they're four months of payments and reserves and that's about it. So that buyer is a little more sensitive, um, but it still doesn't matter. If you've got an area that's appreciating at 5%, they bought the house for 400. They've lived there for a couple of years. You know what I mean? And, and you start looking at, you know, an appreciation rate of that where you're, you know, 20,000 a year, whatever the heck the number is. And you're still going to be ahead of the game. That person could afford to get rid of it, have equity in their pocket, pay a real estate agent to successfully sell that house. And, and they still have options. Equity equals options. 
Whenever there's equity, guys, there's always going to be options. Sounds like a lot of people are going to head to Poland. <laughs> yeah, we're going to screw you up just like they did Austin, Texas. And yeah, you're going to exactly. have a bunch of people. You guys stay out. back there. You handle your problems. Let me enjoy the, the fruits of everything else. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're going to get into our social media reacts. It's going to be brought to you by Mr. Andy Prasky, Preferred Home Team. Okay. Maybe. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus. Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing. 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales. I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call. Send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus. Thanks for listening to the show. We're, I think we're going to social media react. Oh. <laughs> okay, so here's the meme. A lot of people of my generation are making a lot of money off uh, OnlyFans and photos of their feet. And so you have to explain to your mortgage person where you're getting the money. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. There is, there is, uh, I've heard that from Morgan's friends that people get a hold of them on Instagram and ask them if they can send pictures of their feet to them. So. Uh, and offer the money. So uh, there's Andy, you and your flip flops. I mean, that might be like big money. Big. You can be my agent. <laughs> yeah. But and you want to see uh, a triple D 14 in a flip flop? <laughs> call me. Hey, but no, also, also so like um, a duck foot. That mortgage thing is like uh, a lot of people get paid on Venmo or PayPal. Like their friends give them money and they say crazy stuff in the the bio, and you're, you have to show that to your person, right? The lender. Absolutely. I mean, if you have deposits. You got to be able to do that. I, I don't know. I guess I haven't. Um, I guess I haven't heard about it. I mean, a lot of our dealings with um, buyers is it's a private thing between them and the lender, and we don't get like access to that unless the buyer wants to be able to tell us that stuff, but boy, I bet you that's coming around a lot. That'd be yeah. interesting to have a lender uh, talk about those different things because that is, that's really true. The whole Venmo thing, the the PayPal, I mean, where's this money coming from and how is it sneaking into your account? And, and then on that, that Venmo thing, I have a Venmo and then it started showing like everything out there that I was spending money on. I'm like, what? And so I was able to be able to uh, make that private, but, I get all these things about people and how they're paying money. And, and Nick's right. I mean, people joke about it, you know, things like what they're paying them for. Well, you know, but you look at like, uh, and, and, and I'm not trying to sound like an old man, but in the old days, they used to barter. I'll fix your tractor. You give me a side of beef and I'll feed my kids. Your tractor runs. You can continue farming and switches over to where they start exchanging money so that it's equal. And then everybody wants to come up with a new version of money or an easier way to do money. And now you have a whole generation of kids that don't even really respect or understand the value of cash. And they don't want cash. They want you just Venmo me or, or send it to me. Right. And so it's like the, the ambiguousness of cash is, is for some people that are older 
appreciate that nobody knows how much money you have. Um, you, you, you obviously can trade it for just about anything. But nowadays, it's funny how you go and you hire somebody for a service and they want you to Venmo them. And it's almost like this illusion that Venmo just goes in their account. And they don't have to pay taxes. It, it, what's funny is that Venmo will eventually when the IRS pulls an audit on you and they say, hey, we want to look back seven years. And, oh, it looks like you haven't paid taxes on $32,000 and you have nothing to show for it because you never kept a record because it's so easy just to shift money back and forth. And maybe you're buying your friend coffees every morning and they're, they're actually, you know, doing um, an exchange, something else. Just remember that that's auditable um, exchanges. Whenever you have a gain, it's taxable. So if you can't show that right off, and I'm not trying to give tax advice, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that be careful. It's, it's, it's very seductive. It's like the, you know, the, oh, I'll just pay everything with Venmo and send my friend $20 cause they bought the beer yesterday or whatever. All of those exchanges that don't have an expense are taxable. And so, you know what I mean? And it, it gets up to a certain, under a certain amount, I get it. They'll leave you alone, but you start getting over five, 600 bucks. And, and those are, um, you know, income yeah. opportunities for the old uh, gov. Never thought of that actually. Thank God we do these social media reacts. Well, the thing about this though too, Chris, you, what if you honestly want to trade your neighbor, um, you know, real estate services for a boat or something mm -hmm. like that, which you're supposed to report it, I get it. But sometimes there's people that will mow their grass all summer, you snow blow their yard all and there's an exchange happening, right? Bartering. And, and you get a lot more value when, when people barter. And I just, I don't understand why everybody wants everything to be on the record anymore. See, I'm not, not that I'm saying I do anything against the rules. Right, Audit right. me. Everything by me is by the rules. I have to because we're regulated so heavily. But on the other hand. Well, it's because it's like a slippery slope. But right. none of the kids might think this way and they're going to get slapped with it in the future. They made all their payments through this. And I think it's, it's a plan all along. But here we go. I, I do. I agree. I think it'll be taxed more than our generation ever was. Thank you for being a friend. I love it. I'll take it. Well, I've seen a lot of those houses <laughs> before, but I like how they put that in. And it, to me, it's almost like it made it a positive thing. It made you feel good about that house. I think that was really good. Well, that song's hard not to bop along yeah. to anyway, right? Thanks for being a friend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and, you know, I actually, I, I, maybe I'm a little more sentimental, but I, I literally get such a kick out of history, right? Anyway, and when you're buying someone's existing house and you know, like, God, this, this was what they selected in 1953. This was the coolest. This was the cat's meow, the whatever you want to call it. That's an old phrase um, from way back then. And, and, and now, and what's cool though, too, is how well that was preserved. I mean, my goodness, they were, they weren't just letting that stuff get worn out. They were value conscious buyers back then when you'd eat your fat, you lived through the depression I mean, those those kind of people, they don't let things go bad. They fix it, right? Or they keep it nice. Well, what's it say about the house? Exactly. Sure, it's dated, but you know it's been taken care of. That, I think that's, Chris, you and I both would buy that house and recommend to buy a house like that because fresh carpet, fresh paint, you remove a few things over the next couple of years. What a great starter home for a young couple, yeah. for a young person. I totally agree. That I think that was a very 
very, very good. Um, it, it, it made you come up with what you felt about that house. I mean, it might've been, you know, grandma's house. It might've been, geez, this house is in great shape. It might've been uh, whatever, but it, 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 it drew you to what your conclusion was. It didn't force you, but it really kind of helped you um, lead them to what, what that person who made it wanted us to believe. And it did very good. I like that. One of the big lessons I've learned with owning commercial real estate is your tax bill is doubled. Your property taxes are doubled to what it would look like purchasing something that is residential. This is a big hurdle to overcome for a lot of business owners when we're trying to pay everything else, the lights, the landscaping, uh, the employees that work inside of it. This is a big hurdle that we're trying to work in to our business model to make sure there's enough profit at the end of the day that would make me want to buy the building. That's why commercial real estate can be tough and make sure we have the business model correct so that we know we can buy that brick and mortar. And, and the rents are double. Yeah. <laughs> so you're making the money on it. I mean, it's just, oh yeah, it's not just the price of a commercial property that goes into figuring out what you're uh, going to spend the money on. And a lot of people, on leases with commercial, they're they're responsible for the taxes anyways, you know. So unless you do a, it's been crazy. I've sold a couple guys properties. I know you do a ton of that too. I do a lot less than you do, but um, there's been a couple of them where we've sold like warehouse style buildings for equipment storage, yeah. and it's an eight hundred thousand dollar purchase, and the taxes are thirty two thousand a year, and it's ridiculous. And then they go, well, we'll go in there, we'll get those adjusted. A lot of times they, they don't want to hear that. They, they like yeah. that revenue. So, yeah. Yeah. But usually it's, it's the renter that pays it anyways, just so people know. Oh man, uh, uh, some of this stuff is uh, very interesting. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but that, I mean, I'll tell you what that kind of video does is it just kind of keeps you uh, in tune with your your real estate team. So I think Andy should do that with his team. They should have a car wash edition for sure. No, no. I'm okay. I I I don't I don't. I, I, other than, you know, like entertaining your followers, you know, once in a while with something goofy, I, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's funny. It's a little bit of a riff on realtors too, where at the end of the video, they, they are all on their phone, making fun of us always being on our phones. But Hey, Andy, I know I'm always coming up with marketing ideas for you, but I think this one is a really good one. I think you do a series of videos that have to do with your, Hold on, let me write this down. Yeah. Okay. So, and you can watch this. This is like on Spotify, iTunes, all those ones. But if you, it should all be on your 14 D's with um, your nice little shoes on and those flip-flops. And it should be, everything should kind of go around with that. So it's like, if you're walking into a house, you know, you just see these big feet. Coming. Or if you're, you know, I just, I've, I've got ideas. I'm not coming up with them right now, but 
I just Big think realty? That. I mean, all these ideas that we're given, I think Nick is trying to tell us something that we need to start doing this stuff. And I just think those that if you think about it, though, that does depict who you are kind of. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, because you do. I mean, in the summer, how often do you wear flip flops? Every day. Every day. And so you'll go to appointments in flip flops. Every it's, day. It's who you are. I know. People I, laugh. They go, our friends told us you'd show up in flip flops. <laughs> we didn't believe them. Yeah. And I'm like, true. It's the only shoes that fit my feet, other than <laughs> wrapping them with, with sandpaper or bags or something or potato sacks. <laughs> no, I, you know, the funny thing about that is, as much as I appreciate that, um, I don't know if that would work. I think it would. You, you should have me doing a showing. Boom, 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 boom. And they look down and there's these huge feet. No, exactly. Uh-oh, importance of inspections. And, and I think this is a good topic now because inspections are finally coming back. People are able to do them. Um, with uh, not 72 offers on each house, you're able to be able to get an inspection. And, you know, how, how important do you think an inspection is, Andy? Because during this whole two-year hiatus of inspections, and people were doing them. They just maybe weren't contingent upon them. Um, yep. I started kind of thinking about it and kind of going back on past listings and, and looking at requests that we did and how much it actually really cost and how many people backed out because of inspection. For those who don't know, there is a disclosure statement that people do fill out um, that if if it's not uh, factual or, or truthful, uh, that you can certainly go after them. So if they said, hey, the roof is fine, but they uh, took an insurance settlement on the roof and, and never replaced it. I mean, you can obviously go back to them, but um, and maybe an inspection would have would have caught that. But the other part was is that were people really even going to fix anything? So I, when I looked at it, I said, okay, an inspection is going to cost you five hundred bucks. I mean, the average the average of the repairs were maybe a couple thousand, maybe. And so I looked at it and I'm like. So what you're talking about is $1,500 to $2,500 that you're just thinking about, hey, that's what the more I have to spend for the house. And you have a disclosure statement that backs it up. So if they do have a, uh, you know, they had a bad furnace or they had a foundation that was falling down or they had water problems or they had mold, they have to disclose that. Now, yep. you might not find it and someone might not, but that's kind of the chance you were taking. Right. Yes. So, yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, home inspections for sure. Almost every house I'm listing and selling now has a home inspection being asked for again. Um, I, as a selling agent, though, too, I like to see people have home inspections because it gives them a chance to, you know, clear my seller of their liability. And and if they forgot about disclosing something and the inspector, you know, picks up on it and says, hey, what about this? And they go, oh, my God, I forgot about that. Wow. You know, because a lot of times you've lived there like like that that first a little video we watched where they've lived there since the fifties. They probably don't remember that, you know, back in the sixties, do you remember this? And in the seventies, this happened. And then the great power outage of 1983 and, you know, or whatever I, you know, and, and so those kind of things that are, that are there. Um, I think what most people want to get out of a disclosure statement is what's happened recently. You know, is everything performing properly based on its age? Is everything safe? Is every, you know, Am I going to have any big expenses coming up here in the near future? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not a, hey, here's uh, 75 things that are deferred maintenance or honey-do list that we need you to do. Because that's the first thing I'll say. Uh, my seller, I, I never have had a seller that wants to do a honey-do list. 
we price the house accordingly to the condition it's in. And I, I literally loathe agents that hand me these. You need to seal the caulking around the tub. You need to change the left light bulb on the left side of the light fixture. You need, and I'm like, you're, you're not the right buyer for us. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And they're so confused why. And I'm like, listen, those are homeowner maintenance things. You know, it's not an inspection thing. You tripped over that crack in the sidewalk. And now you put it into a report that you want to have the, the, the sidewalk mud jacked, but you tripped on it on the way into the house. You, you knew about it when you wrote your offer. I'm making yes. myself sound difficult. I'm not. I'm very protective of my, my peeps. Yeah, but it's, it's really, um, it, it's, it is. There's a slippery slope, though, on it, you know? I mean, because yeah. in, in our industry right now, I mean, the buyers in total control once they got the house. That whole inspection period, they can, again, ask for anything they want. They could ask for anything. And then just at, by the end of it, just say, oh, just kidding. I don't want it. Well, in the meantime, it tends to be kind of fighting, you know. Why are those people doing it? And then it's agents that get in the way as well. And maybe telling the seller, these guys are horrible and they're the worst people ever. And then the buyer's agent's like, you know, I'm trying to get it for you, but these guys are just crazy, you know. And now it becomes a a total discord and everything is horrible. And so you got to kind of, it's, it's a it's a tough thing to play. It is. And it's, it's what it's best to do is nail it at the beginning. And I know you do that when you're talking to the agent and saying, hey, I know you're doing an inspection. I just want you to know that we're not going to deal with any little small items and blah, blah, blah. That's just, I'm just telling you, that's just not going to happen. At least now that that puts that agent in a position to be able to tell his people, you know, this was not what they wanted the inspection for. They're accepting it, but this is what they're doing. Now they might still come back and do it, but at least it's not uh, one of these at the end because you already told them. I, I love the home inspections, Chris, that come back where they, they're clearly written out where they say, listen, we're going to get the home inspection done in five days. We are doing a whole, a complete home inspection. We're not going to ask the seller for anything unless it exceeds $5,000 or whatever. And then it's like, you know, they're not going to ask you to fix the light bulbs or the whatevers. They're they're only going to come back if there was a roof problem or a furnace problem or whatever. And, you know, I've even seen them written as low as 2,500, but um, that, that is a nice way for agents to write it in there saying, listen, we're just, you know, going over the house just to make sure it's a solid investment and there's no surprises and we're not we're not using this as a, a second level negotiating chip, which I think a lot of people do. Yeah. It's when those agents turn on that and go the opposite way, though. They say they're not going to ask for anything for that. And then it's kind of like they end up doing it. And it's uh, it's that's that's when it gets really annoying. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, hot. What are some things you should consider? Look for to determine the next hottest location. Ooh, that's that's good. Um, I'll tell you what. If I was looking um, for that spot, obviously it's it's all about it's all about the location. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of see what's happening in that area. So let's just let's just look here. Um, what would be a hot area, Andy? What are you dealing with up up in the upper area? What about like Andover and? Um, I got, I got two, I got a couple of strategies on this. It just popped in my head. Okay. Um, one of them was depending on what phase of life you're in, if you're downsizing and you want, you know, seven to 22% more income, you, you go to a state that doesn't have personal income taxes. 
um, and claim residency, you know, uh, Arizona, Florida, South Dakota. Um, I think there's like 11 states, if I'm not mistaken, that, that offer that, you know, so you get, think about it's like getting a bonus, right? You get that much more spending power. Um, that would be one thing to consider. I think that new, uh, if you're, if you own an existing home and you're in an area where new construction will thrive for many years around you, those areas seem to appreciate very well, bringing in new, exciting restaurants, more rooftops, create more retail opportunities. Um, so I think that the, in general, you by osmosis of being next to it kind of go up with it. Um, you know, I think that's an identifiable hot spot. Yeah. I think what infrastructures available. I mean, I think that's a, a big thing. I mean, if there's outlying areas, but there's always, you know, different areas that all of a sudden become this little, oh my gosh, here's a great spot. And it, and it usually starts out with some sort of developer or something that creates this um, cool thing. And maybe it's a an old town, you know, where old town in, is in Arizona, uh, in Phoenix and in, in that area. And that... Um, you know, that you try to get somewhat close to that. I mean, if you're trying to find an area that for appreciation or for longer living, those might be two different uh, uh, things as well. Political climate, you know, I mean, you look at uh, where some of these places are uh, unlawful, you know, do you really want to go there? You know, I don't. I'm not, I'm, I'm not heading that direction. I'll tell you that. So it, it is interesting because I think people are doing that organically where they're, you know, um, especially the empty nester crowd right now, I, I'm seeing a mass, uh, I shouldn't say mass exodus, but I'm seeing a ton of my retired, you know, customers and friends um, mm -hmm. that are moving a little farther North. They want that Mayberry 1950s feel to a small town. They want to say hi to everybody at the grocery store they, they want to know who they're, you know, buying their items from and who they're supporting. And, you know, they, they like to see them at church on Sunday. And I, I think that that crowd that desires that lifestyle, you know, some of our friends like up in Brainerd and around the Brainerd area, we have tons of families moving from the Twin Cities, uprooting, remote living, you know, they, they can work. They from, can. I, I, I just closed one yesterday, you know, where they're moving up to Brainerd and they're a young couple, um, you know. Uh, in the in the educational system and working for a big corporate 100 company here in the Twin Cities, and they can work remote. And she, you know, one day a week she's got to go in just for meetings on Wednesdays. She's like, no problem. You know, I'm a reverse commuting. No, yeah. I think you're seeing you're going to see more of that. So I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that question because what I used to think was hot was you go where the cool oceans or the whatever's they always heat up the first, and the Midwest is always uncool, but. I think a lot of people really value Midwest nice and honest and, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm with you, buddy. All right. Did Nick fall asleep? Hey, he Look at He's changing real estate memes, React. Gotcha. A bank robber named Pretty Boy Floyd was known for destroying mortgage papers on heists, freeing hundreds of people from property debt. I remember uh, watching yes. a show on that where they would, uh, what's it? Uh, Jesse James would do that too. Yep. Yeah, and, and take care of that stuff. That was a, that was a, that was a good deal. I mean, I bet you that helped them hide in, in certain places. It's why people cheered them on. It was almost like they became the Robin Hood heroes of that era because mm -hmm. they would they go into that small town bank and burn up all the papers and the banks didn't have fish tape and copies mm -hmm. of things because they didn't exist and now those originals are gone. There's no way to prove that they owed you anything and 
Yeah, that changed. That's why banking has changed first. Yeah, I was gonna say now we gotta we gotta rely on computer hacker robbers to get yeah. us out of things now. And we all we all agree to electronic signatures. We all agree to servicing uh, resale companies. We all you know all that fun stuff is because of that. You can, you can just imagine. I mean, if if they shut that down, I mean, I mean, ninety five percent of the world would have access to zero money, nothing. I mean, zero like that. I mean, there's some people that hide cash. I do, um, just just in case, you know. But uh, it's it's well, crazy. I mean, everything's I, in your bank, and they can just shut it right down. That, that's why I see a lot of immigrants that I, I talk with anyway that come into the country, and they're like, "I can't believe you can actually get a loan for a car here. It's yeah. so cool." Like yeah. at my, where I'm from, we had to save up and go and pay cash, and you get robbed on the way to the car dealership. You're out your money. I mean, yeah. you, you you think that stuff doesn't exist? It's all over the world, you guys. Or yeah. like, you know, uh, in, in like Mexico, for many, many years, I, I had one of the guys on my team from Mexico City, and we talked about that, and he goes, there's no translatable word for mortgage. They, they didn't have it. There was companies that give you loans, but there was, I mean, it's a whole different money system in all these different countries. Ownership rights are different. Anyway. We could have a whole show on that. But. Yeah, I was to say the coolest thing I've heard about that was one of my coaches coached in uh, Naples in Italy. And um, there he's like, okay, so where's my apartment? And he's like, oh, you know, this week we're going to have you here. And they just open up someone's random house and he'd stay there. And then they would come back from vacation. They'd move them. He's like, what about the car you promised me? He's like, on the street, take whatever one you want. And then like people, he was like, what about my food? He's like, just go to the, the um, meat store. Like they'll just give you meat. Like it was a whole different way of money and transaction. And yeah, everyone was just taking everyone else's stuff. And it was really interesting. Yeah. That happened like 10 years ago too in Naples in Italy. Jeez. Crazy. All right, here we go. Posted about another successful transaction and what it's like to be involved in the transaction. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a, that, I don't know. I think that whole posting everything is a, it's a slippery slope in my opinion, but I mean, everyone does it and everyone wants to look better than what it is, but I don't know. I'm, I, I'm kind of more interested in just doing my job and I don't know if the, the accolades and all that kind of stuff, I mean, but it's important to other people choosing a realtor, you know, so you got to kind of do some of that stuff, but well, I, I, I see it all the like... time. Uh, the flat fee companies, the whatevers, when that extra stuff comes up, they're not there to just jump in and, get dirty and help you fix it. They're like, well, that's not included in our package or yeah. whatever. I mean, you do get what you pay for. I always that's say hire good, good agents, hire great title companies with title insurance. And the mortgage companies are also very important. I mean, you know, are, what's important to you with your mortgage company? Do you want to be able to go down to the local bank and, and smile and talk to the teller and hand them your mortgage payment? Or do you want to be able to electronically send it in? Do you want to, you know? And, and I mean, it's, it's all, um, the, the cool thing as a consumer that, that is out there is if you find a, a, an individual that's mortgage, real estate, whatever, that they're trustworthy, they can't co-mingle. So there's a lot of people have this illusion that, oh, my realtor, you know, um, only uses his mortgage company because they get a kickback. It's illegal. And so they don't do it. They can't even advertise together for God's sakes without having to be audited. And so there's a lot of really cool safety uh, things in place for you as a consumer to protect you, to make sure that they're only referring you to that person because they're really good at what they do. So if you find somebody does a little more business in that area 
or, you know, or experience, and then they refer you to a mortgage company, it's usually because they're great. It's not because they, you know, um, there's some, you know, misconception of why they'd refer you. So I always say hire the best. It's, it'll save you thousands of dollars and hours and hours of your time. I can't disagree. All right, we're going to go into this last part about uh, another Reddit post. which was kind of interesting about homes being outdated and this guy's objecting to it. So I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this. So first, read this. Chris, you want to read this? Yeah, so how are these modern 90s homes grossly outdated and hideous? These houses were getting trashed in a thread. I'm a numbers guy, so I only see a standard modern house, granite countertops, stainless steel appliances. Can you be specific as to how the house is so grossly outdated and hideous? So not the, all the gray, 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 grays. So let's see one of these houses. Now, these are not around here, I assume. Chicago. I mean, Andy, what do you, what, without even looking at any pictures, Andy, what would you say a couple characteristics are of a 1990 house? Well, the first thing that runs into my head is the category two construction, but that's how the houses were built in Minnesota, where they're not vapor barrier tight. And they, they, there's some, I have a window of, um, was it 92 to 99, I think it was, where there was, or 2000, um, where there was a different, level of energy efficiency these houses had to come to and they weren't sealing vapor barriers they were putting them up but they weren't sealing them so there was some that's what i worry about um but when you think about 90s style i think about white um countertops brass. and white appliances brass. and brass, brass and you know cherry um i think about like the golden oak um exactly. but there's nothing wrong with those materials it's just and i'm betting i'm betting any money we're gonna see that stuff in these pictures there you go so no floor. Yeah, or or that light, real light maple floor. Yeah. You know, th those kind of windows, that window package, more um, you know, like curves and half moons and tons but of that stuff is so easy to fix too. You know, even like spindles, like they were showing that staircase going up, and the wood spindles, the you know, the spun lathe um wood spindles that actually are a, a demonstration of craftsmanship. A lot of people look at them as being outdated and it's like, you know, and they want to put the metal ones in, which is actually pretty easy to do. Um, putting in a metal spindle and retrofitting those staircases, give it a modern touch. There was another one right back there, built-ins. You know, you don't see those as much anymore. You know, like right. where the TV's built in there. That's a, that's a yep. really big bang from about 90 to 2004. Is that baby right there. That's an updated kitchen. Yeah, that, looks, that one's updated. Yeah, mm -hmm. other than the the microwave on the counter, yeah. you know, a lot of times you want to build those in even into the island. Spiral staircases like that. I mean, that's cool. In the, the reason they don't do it, it just costs so much money now. <laughs> you know, they're trying yeah, to give you other options rather than that. Yeah, that was a big thing back then. Yeah, the God, I hit my head so many times on that shower when I was a kid. We had one of those in our basement. You go to wash your feet, and boom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Especially 14 Ds. Yeah. It took a long time to wash them. <laughs> Do you guys agree with the, um, the, the person saying that these aren't really grossly outdated and it's okay to buy them and maybe kind of fix them up? Or do you agree with other people saying, like, this is so out of fashion and you're stupid if you buy it? 
I don't think I don't think you're stupid if you buy those. I mean, you're usually getting you're getting a lot more um, house than what you get with new construction. But I think it's just it's one of those things that I think a lot of people spend a lot of time painting things <laughs> and, and and redoing it. It's like those built-ins, you know, restructuring them to to make it work and maybe pieces of it and and put those elsewhere. But you know, try to add like the 2022s pieces in it where you're putting a mount up with the TV on the wall rather than in the, in that area. Um, but some families, I mean, need that big space. And, you know, you deal with that little corner shower and I don't know, it's uh, in, in brass. I mean, you, you slowly fix it. I've seen a lot of people just slowly fix it. Now it's, it's, it's going to hurt your value. So it's kind of uh, a nice way to get into something like that. I mean, in, in a great neighborhood, more than likely. That's what I remember the wilds on the course. I mean, a lot of those things were built in the early 90s and mid 90s. Well, they're dated. Same with the legends. And uh, all of a sudden now people are coming in and re-updating them all because they're getting a great location and they've got a huge house, but they just need to update it all. I mean, this is a nice looking place, but I mean... They're all that tile. I mean, you just don't see that too often. I mean, you can certainly play with it, but um, to Andy's uh, case on that, well, that, that stairway. Well, that house carries more of a, a grand, uh, hence the grand piano and the Victorian styling. And I'll tell you what, I mean, Chris, you and I both have probably had clients that come to us and say, I don't want to buy a house that's built after 1930. And they only want to buy houses that have certain character and charm and style. And, and that's where I think houses that get caught in the ambiguousness of, you know, what am I, am I an old outdated house or is everything still good enough to move into and enjoy? So, some people don't care. Right. So mm -hmm. some people will move into a home and, and not mind that it's not the coolest trend, just like cars. I mean, some people need to buy the brand new off the show floor, latest model with all the latest and greatest. And then there's other people that like to buy it when it's two years old. There's other people that don't want to buy it until it's just about ready to go to the junkyard. And then they put a new motor in it, new tires, do some body work on it. And all of a sudden they have a classic. So, you know. Yeah. I thought you were going to miss that opportunity, Nick. I was like, oh, my God, this is the one. Get him. <laughs> Good timing again. That, uh, But, I mean, kind of think about it, guys. I mean, that that's exactly it. Or, you know, or sometimes you make sacrifices when like like you're buying the the peninsula lake lot and you got chris rooney guiding you chris will come in and say oh my gosh guys buy this place the money's in the land let's stick one hundred and fifty thousand into renovations and we'll have this place looking the way you want it to look on the lot you want so it's all about what you're looking for is it the house is it the location is it the you know lifestyle is it like a big house like this now you go into it and i have younger buyers saying well but it doesn't even have a sport court i said sport courts were very rare back in this era Right. Yeah. Well, they'd be super expensive if you had them. You know, they found ways in which to be able to kind of make them a little more affordable now. But there's just a lot of I think there's there's just a lot of updating you would have to do to get it yeah. to normal standards, even though this is totally fine. It's probably in really good shape. But I mean, if you're going to try to maximize the value, then I think at that point, I mean, you got to start wondering, I mean, enameling that place alone, I mean, turning everything white. Right. I mean, it's going to be 50 grand for sure. Did I, did I, did I ever tell you that I, I showed uh, Randy Moss's old house? Yeah. Yeah. 
it was, I mean, this, you talk about a, a guy that bought a house and must have signed a big contract and decided to add on to the back and add on literally a hotel sized indoor pool and the complete play center. Like it looked like it was a YMCA with the kids play center or a Chuck E. Cheese style, you know, and, and then that goes over to his full size basketball court with sitting area that was overlooking the basketball court with a big M in the middle of the, you know, and I'm looking at that and I go, God, this was so customized and so what, and then, but the house needed, I mean, a million dollars worth of renovations. And then when we were sitting there, the renters came up and they wouldn't leave the house, of course, because they're renting. They don't have to do it. It's not part of their lease. And these guys sat there and they go, they were telling us everything they didn't like about the house and everything that was broken about the house. And he goes, well, you know, the first thing that was terrible about this house is he goes, the heating bill, he goes, we got a propane bill for $9,600 for the first two months we lived here. Jesus. For heating. And I'm going, oh, yeah, I guess heating a basketball court when it's 20 below zero probably is expensive, you know? I mean, can you imagine that? Five grand a month to heat your house. Um, so then oh. you start looking at energy efficiencies. And then you start saying, or would it be better for me to have this house leveled and build a million and a half dollar house on top of it that's energy efficient, you know, geothermal, whatever you want to put in there. And it's, it's yeah, anyway. Totally. Yep. I was going to ask you guys, how is the whole energy situation in USA? Because here it's like prices have gone up 5x for everyone because of the, the oil situation with Russia. I think we're going to find out pretty soon. <laughs> but I mean, obviously gas, I mean, it's coming down. It's coming down a little, but uh, I mean, it's still impactful. But I just hope they can kind of get something under control before our winter hits because then that could get nasty. Yep. for people. I think the utility companies have to put in a request and it has to be approved, um, I believe, by the state. So like natural gas and, and electric and those are at a certain rate and then they can apply for a raise. And I believe all the natural gas companies have asked for the maximum amount that they can legally go up. So going into yeah. the fall, we'll start feeling that over the winter. Mm-hmm. Inflation is going to punch us right in the... Yeah, that is... <laughs> Buckle down, kids. It's going to be bumpy. Take your flight pills. We're ready to hit some turbulence. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, guys. Another great show. Make sure to give us a like on the Facebook. Write us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Send us in any questions you have. We look forward to seeing you uh, next week. Chris left early. All right, Andy. All right. See you later. Good to see you, Nick. Ciao. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.